Welcome to the Golden Ratio Podcast. I'm Jen, your mom, joined as always by your dad. Hi. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. We have not been together for like two weeks. Now we are together. It was real nice. In the same room at the same time. We were together for like 15 minutes at the airport a few days ago. Yeah. She was here and I was not here. And then I was here and she was not here. Now we're both here. Now we're both here. Seems so easy, but yep. it was kind of complicated. Yep. So that's good. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, what do we have updates to share? Kate, I took Kate's stitches out of her face out today. Yeah, you just cut them out. This is always startling to me. You just like just turn into surgeon Jen. This is how stitches are removed. You uh, cut one side and then they pull out. I've taken my own stitches out. Yeah, I've you, never gone in to have stitches out. You would also put them in yourself and you like I mean, cut stuff off and your blisters can't be allowed to exist and toenails that look wonky you just pull them out it's all very i mean decisive toenails that are like in the process of falling off all very decisive yeah yeah and you don't give it a chance to like recover or come back or fix i took so my vet told us that i could take the stitches out today uh as a valentine's day gift (laughs) i guess but uh when i had my wrist surgery in december uh-huh. uh they had stitches but it's like on the bendy part of my wrist i mean i guess the whole wrist is bendy but it was on like the top. apex of the bendiness on the top and after like 5 days the stitches were so painful they were just digging in and i was like fuck it i'm taking them out and i took them out and i won't say that the whole thing opened up again but it was definitely not healed closed cuz you're impatient it hurt. Oh, but it was such a relief to have them out. So then I had like all these crazy butterfly bandages on there and I was doing all kinds of stuff to make sure it stayed closed. Uh, but it was such a relief to have the stitches out. It was worth it. And now it's healed fine. Look at it. Look at it. You can't see it on the podcast, but your dad can see it. Look how perfect it is. There's a little line. It bends. It works. Yeah, it's yeah. not bleeding currently. <laughs> it's not gaping open. This is good. good. I will admit it is back to what it used to be. Indeed. Um... Any other updates you want to share? What, on everybody? Or on anything. There's your time. Hops in the rock. And we have like some updates. Elevator works again. Yeah, the elevator repair guy came today. And found out that the breaker had been tripped. So he fixed that, which I think is fixing one thing, but not all things. That was definitely not the only problem. Correct. So he fiddled with some other things. And right now it's worked. So it's been some glorious elevator rides. Yep. Easier to... Take Jasmine up on the elevator, then to carry her. <coughs> Bless you. Use me. Maybe I'll edit that out because <clears throat> I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. All right. Uh, so I thought what I could share today as our main piece of content, I'm putting my computer onto your dad's lap, is that I have done the analysis of the science project that a bunch of you participated in that I tweeted out uh, on kind of measuring your well being after looking at either. Some pictures of cute doggos, or some just kind of funny posts, or Donald Trump's Twitter feed, and uh, and yeah, so I'm going to talk about that project. Yeah, and one thing I'm learning, or I have learned, dealing with a scientist now, is that there's really no bad data or good data, right? Yes. I mean, you could come up with something surprising, which would be good, or you could come up with something that seems obvious, but that's good too because it's data and science yeah, if nobody's proven a thing then you want data either way i always thought that like scientists wouldn't be very excited if you just prove something that is blindingly obvious but they don't care they care that you've proved it not that it was 
that you thought it was blindingly obvious. Yes. Like the whole jumping to assumptions and conclusions doesn't actually work for science. Yeah, it's upsetting to me when people are like, I can't believe science did that. Like, that's obvious. Why'd they waste all this money on that? Right. Because we didn't actually know it was true before. And e now we know. Exactly. Just, you may have thought it was true, but that's the whole problem. And there's a lot of things that people thought were true for a long time that weren't. Like, women had fewer teeth than men. No kidding. they never just went in and looked and counted. Someone, I heard, the anecdote that I heard is that Aristotle said women have 30 teeth and men have 32. And that for centuries, just people repeated it and nobody looked into a freaking woman's mouth and counted the freaking teeth and women were like uh i counted my teeth and i have 32 and they're like shut up no you don't idiot you can't count <laughs> you don't even count yeah you don't count you can't count it's just all i mean so yeah science needs to verify things or else it doesn't happen yeah but i used to think that you know you kind of know these things you don't need to i just know which is really wrong or like what is it being cold gives you a cold or, you know, any of these things. No, 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 not true. Not no, true. It's true. It's independent. Yeah. Something more to do with germs, I guess. Germ theory. I guess, if yeah. you're going to believe in that. <laughs> it's all kinds of fascinating science that was like, all these weird things that people thought were true were not true, but they kind of had the right idea. Like I did a, I did a uh, segment for Science Magazine for the last couple of years where I would interview authors about their books and I interviewed one author exactly about this kind of thing, about bad air, right? They used to think, like, not that long ago that, like, if you got sick, it was because the air was bad and you needed good air. And they were totally wrong about that. But it turns out that, like, the stuff that made them think the air was bad, a lot of it was, like, germs and, like, rotting corpses and things. And so it was actually real good to get away from that. But they thought it was, like, the air and it actually was germs, but they were still kind of on the right track. But they didn't know why. And, they didn't and know it, why. You know, it does diverge if all you're doing is trying to get clean air. Yeah, because you can have lots of germs in clean smelling air too. So, but this, uh, but this idea that there's no bad results, right? That a scientist won't look at a study and go, "Oh, I'm disappointed that it conclusively proves what I kind of thought was true before." The scientists would be like, "Yay! It conclusively proves what I kind of thought was true before." Totally. They don't. They're not disappointed. No, no, that's right. Which is weird. Yeah. Well, it was new to me. I don't want to say weird. It's not weird. Weird is the heck weird. Science. It was it was an interesting thought and learning experience for me. Yeah, well, that's good. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? I did not know you had those thoughts that you just said. It's because they're embarrassing and kind of limited. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. Oh. And uh, I'm glad that you love our scientific process. Yes, it just seems obvious to you. It was not obvious to me. Yeah, well, I went to school for a long time to be science. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things about the law that still surprise me that you're like, that's obvious. I'm like, no, man, like I had no idea that oh, that's yeah. how the well, law that's, worked. That's not intuitive. <laughs> good, good point. Yeah. All right. So here's this study. If you took the study, here's what you did. Uh, you started off and you took a couple screeners for anxiety and depression. And then you took uh, a thing called PEACE, which is a survey kind of to measure well-being. This was the thing. If e you did. E-C-E. -E. Yep. Uh, if you did it, so it is the patient evaluation of emotional comfort experienced. Academics like to make difficult acronyms like that. Peace is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and it's used, it was developed, I think, in nursing. 
to kind of measure how patients are feeling in a clinical setting, but it's essentially a measure of well-being. Like I feel relaxed, I feel safe, I feel happy. Um, and then y'all scored that on a one to five scale and uh, where one is bad and five is good. And so everybody did that and then they went and looked at some content, either dogs or funny posts or Donald Trump, and then they did it again. And what I was interested in looking at was how much did it change? Did your sense of well-being go up or did it go down? Or stay the same. Or stay the same. It totally could have stayed the same. And I actually, I mean, my hypothesis ended up being correct. But like you said, it would have been interesting. Anything I found here would have been interesting. Yeah. Because there's a lot of research about well-being and like what does social media do to your sense of well-being, whether it's your sense of self-esteem or your sense of happiness. There's a ton of research on that. Um, it basically is all mixed. And I've been doing the literature review for this paper, which just means I've been reading all those papers and kind of summarizing them. And they're all like, well, some people feel like they have more social capital, which is sort of like higher standing or like more, they're getting more love or whatever, like they feel more connected. Um, some people feel more like a part of a community and then other people feel more depressed and like their self-esteem is lower. Every single one of the studies is like, yeah, there's some good and some bad. Um, so there's nothing that's like social media is good or social media is bad. It's social media is both kind of like life. Kind of like every lawyer's answer. Yeah. It depends. It depends. That's every academic's answer too. Uh, and it can be for the same person that social media can make you feel both good and bad. But not really... There aren't really any studies that have looked at, like, what does specific content do? There's a little bit on, like, when women look at ads, they tend to have lower self-esteem after they look at them because most ads directed towards women tell you that you're bad. <laughs> like, you need to lose more weight or you need to look prettier or you need to fix this thing about yourself. And even if they don't explicitly say that, they only show you people that don't look like most humans. Isn't the strategy, like here's your problem and our product solves it yeah that's basically it so not surprisingly women feel worse about themselves after they watch ads that are built for women uh, but there's not a lot of stuff on just general you know in social media f based on the content you're looking at like specific types of content how does it impact you and so i picked dogs because there's a lot of literature out there that says being with dogs makes you less stressed and happier and generally improves well-being blood pressure there's drops blood pressure drops and there's actually really interesting study from australia that shows that uh cardiac patients who have had like bypass who've had a heart attack and bypass and come out of the hospital die at a lower rate if they have a dog than people who don't have a dog people who don't have dogs die more in the next I don't know if it's one year or five years. And then they go, well, why is that? Like maybe it's people who have a dog, like walk more because they have to walk the dog. Yeah, you have to get up and pet the dog. Yeah, and that's not it. They actually can control for that. So they can measure like how much is everybody walking? And even if you like have your heart attack, you get out of the hospital, you start walking, doesn't matter. Like that does not protect you the way having a dog does. And there's other work that shows it lowers your, it keeps your blood pressure lower. When you have stressful moments, it, it, mitigates sort of all these physical responses to stress and so they think that probably is part of it but it's like it literally can reduce your chance of dying if you have a dog um, and then there is a study in japan and they were kind of looking at cuteness which is like very much a part of japanese culture right that they value cuteness as a, a kind of ethic 
and uh, that cute things, and they particularly use pictures of puppies, can make people perform better on tests. Like if you have them look at cute things and then take a test, they do better than if you have them look at just other pleasant things. I think they had like pleasant pictures of food and landscapes and, you know, nice looking pictures, but not cute. Wow. Um, the cute stuff made you perform better. And so there's like some stuff out there that might say looking at pictures of dogs might help you feel better in this kind of unusual way. Interesting. And yeah. So that's why I picked the dogs. And then I was thinking, you know, kind of along the lines of what that Japanese study did, though I hadn't read it at the time, I need a kind of a sort of control, like another condition that's like stuff that's good that people will like but that's not dogs. And so a lot of it is stuff that I got from Kale Salad, which is a great Twitter account. Um, they basically find like popular posts, especially stuff with like jokes, and they find who tweeted it originally and they retweet that, uh, as opposed to all these accounts that like steal people's stuff. And they have just tons of like real gems on there. So I kind of curated a bunch of that. And so it was mostly funny stuff, nothing political, nothing controversial, but kind of happy popular posts. Uh, and put those in another condition. And then I was like, okay, so what's the total opposite of this? And I was like, Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's super political. Regardless of which party you're in, it's still kind of anger-making. Uh, if you don't like Trump, obviously his stuff makes you angry. But if you do like him, he's kind of angry at a whole bunch of people. Yeah, he's... he probably will make you angry at other people and life and stuff. And, uh, and you know, we did this on Twitter Trump's account is a recommended follow. Like if you set up a new Twitter account, it suggests stuff you might want to follow. And Trump's account is always on there. So they're kind of really pushing people to follow him, which you can understand from a like, you know, he's the president of the United States. So it might be stuff you want to see mm -hmm. or maybe you don't. Um, but so I kind of put that in there. Um, and it's just sort of the opposite in all these ways, right? It's very political. It's very controversial. It's very much not like happy and pure and wonderful. And how's that going to make you feel? So. That's what it was. Here are the results. Drum roll, please. Ta -da! All right. Okay. So on average, so basically you got randomly assigned to a group to see the dogs or the popular post or Trump. So a third of everybody saw those. On a scale of one to five, the average well-being score was a 3.27. So just for everyone who took it for everyone who took it, there was no significant difference between the groups. Everybody basically started off at the same level, right around there, a little less than 3.3. 3. Uh, so three would be the middle, right? On a one to five scale. So everybody's just a little above the middle, which is good. All right. So 3.27, that's where everybody starts. If you looked at dogs, you went up from a 3.27 to a 3.81. It's a big giant jump. In feeling better about yourself. Yeah, just feeling better about life. Like your well-being has gone up, um, you know, more than half a point out of five. So it's like a 10% increase in how good you feel just by looking at the dogs. Uh, if you looked at the popular posts, the sort of jokes and stuff, you also went up from... Um, that group started at 3.29, but it wasn't significantly different, which means it's just like, you know, it's like two one-hundredths, you know, of a point. So it's... Like, it looks a little bit different, but it's insignificant. Like, it's just random difference among the groups. Not meaningful. Uh, so they went up from 3.29 to 3.43. So they had a jump of, um, you know, about 8% improvement, which is pretty good. Um, and then if you were Trump, 
You started at a 3.27 like everybody else, and you went down to a 2.08. This was so statistically significant that like it couldn't do calculations. Uh, like normally you run a calculation to see what's the likelihood that you'd see this difference just randomly, right? Like if you pick a bunch of people, uh, you know, out of the world and you take their average height, you could totally randomly just happen upon a bunch of tall people. And so even though it looks like that number is like really different than what you'd expect, you get, well, there's some percentage chance that you just happen to pick a bunch of tall people. So you get a percentage. And normally you want that percentage to say that your results are significant. You want it to be less than 5%. So if I say, oh, you know, the dog group started here and they went up here, there's less than a 5% chance that the difference between those is just due to random chance. And, uh, and so the smaller that number is, that number is a probability that it's random. You want that to be real small. And it was real small for the dogs in the popular post. It was so small for Trump that it just kept saying zero. There's a 0% chance that this is random. It has to be meaningful. Um, it's so, so small. So that's a good result. As if it, these are all super good results. Non-random. Really strong results. Uh, dogs make you feel much better. Looking at kind of happy, funny stuff makes you feel somewhat better. And looking at Trump stuff makes you feel way worse. And so the question that naturally arises from that is, well, what about Trump supporters, right? Like, what's the difference between how it affects people who like Trump and how it affects people who don't like Trump? And, and to be fair, like, what about people who don't like dogs? Or what about people who do like dogs, right? There's a bit of a, there were a lot of people who took it who liked dogs. Yeah, pretty much everybody liked dogs, and so much that I couldn't really do any analysis. I, there, so there were uh, 1,880 people whose data we could use. I think more like 2,700 people started the test, but not everybody finished it for one reason or another, and so we had to drop those people. But So you had almost 1,900 people who finished it, um, and there was a question on there, how much do you like dogs? And I think there were like 30 people who said, I don't like dogs all that much. And so I couldn't even analyze it because it was like so small. Maybe that's accurate for the, for the world. Uh, I, I sort of said like we have a kind of biased sample here. Um, Everybody likes dogs. Everybody, it could be, it could be. So I also asked um, this question, do you approve or disapprove of the job Donald Trump is doing as president, which is the exact phrasing that's used by the approval polls that you see. Um, so that's something that people have researched the right way to ask that so it's not a biased question. And we had in our sample 91.2% disapproval rate for Trump, 2.7% approved of him, and 6% were neutral. So like three times as many people were just didn't have an opinion as people who liked him. So this very, very small group of people who liked him. Um, and I compared this to like the national survey for that to the same time, which was during the government shutdown, and he had a fifty-eight percent disapproval rating and thirty percent, thirty-seven percent approval. So it means you guys really hate Trump compared to the normal population. There are not a lot of Trump supporters who took this. This is not a random website. There no, not everybody gets to just follow and spout off either. Just so you know. That's true, uh, and and I mean this is interesting because. We clearly have a biased sample here, right? And like that happens in science all the time. And so you just have to lay it out there, right? I say like, look, the people who took this didn't like Trump. And here's why that's okay, given what we're trying to prove with this. Because I'm not setting into this trying to say Trump is objectively bad. I'm just trying to say 
different types of content affect how people feel. And, uh, and also it does seem like dogs help, but, uh, so that was fine. But so I was like, all right, well, there are some Trump, a few Trump supporters in here. How did they feel when they read Donald Trump stuff? Cause it could be, there's just so many people who don't like him that they'd see his stuff. And then they're like, and now I feel like crap, but if you liked him, you'd feel good. And so I went through and, uh, the people who liked Trump, only 16 of them, so there were like 48 people altogether who liked Trump. That's that like 2.7%. And so a third of them get to see dogs, basically, you know, they get randomly assigned and a third of them get to see funny stuff. And so only 16 of them actually ended up looking at Trump's tweets. And that's too small to do this kind of statistical analysis that I was talking about. Like you need bigger groups of people. But their initial well-being score was a 3.64. So they were happier than the kind of average person to start with. And then after they looked at Trump's tweets, it went down to 3.58. So it went from 3.64 to 3.58. So it decreased. Now that's not statistically significant, which means it could just be like random variation. It could be like, I'm in exactly the same mood, but I, you know, I was like, oh, I was between a four and a five. And this time I put a four instead of a five. Uh, but it definitely didn't go up. So Trump did not make them feel better. It looks like he made them feel a little worse. Um, but there's nothing meaningful going on there. And I did look, I, I forgot that I had done this. I did go back and look at the people who said they don't like dogs. And they still felt better after looking at the dogs. They went up from a 3.09, which is interesting. So people who dislike dogs are less happy as a baseline than people who do, which I put a footnote in that's like, maybe it's because they're unhappy people because they don't like dogs. I'm like, that's their problem. Um, so they went up from a 3.09 to a 3.59. And so even though there were only 19 of those people, that was statistically significant. So even if you don't like dogs, if you look at dogs, you feel better afterwards, which is pretty interesting. So the point of this work is basically to say not dogs are good and funny posts are good and Trump is bad, but to say, depending on what sort of stuff you're looking at, it's going to make you feel better or worse, which like on one hand is sort of obvious, but no one has studied that before. And so that's useful to know because it means if we're trying to recommend, here are some accounts you should follow, maybe instead of just recommending popular ones, ones that people spend a lot of time on because they're pissed off, we could recommend some that will make people feel better. And there's a bunch of research that has to happen before we really know how to do that, right? But this is sort of like a first step. Yeah, so. so one goal, instead of recommending things that'll get a lot of clicks or get you to watch a long YouTube video or something, the goal of the company could be to make people happier and then they would recommend different things, not the conspiracy yeah. YouTube videos that you can watch for a long time if they make you feel bad, but maybe something happier that'll make you feel better and the world might be improved. Yeah, and it's not that like you should only recommend stuff that makes people feel better necessarily but you could mix that in there right so instead of like just recommending popular stuff which may make people feel worse and worse like saying we're also going to balance this with some stuff to make you feel good like that would be a good thing i think um and it's part of this whole movement to sort of rethink how we recommend content because it's really easy to measure like clicks or likes or comments or retweets yeah, unless you're facebook 
<laughs> Facebook does tend to screw that up a lot, but only it's like in its favor. Yeah, only in its favor. But it's a it's very straightforward how to measure that. Like how do you measure this post makes people feel better is not nearly as easy as how many minutes did somebody look at this post. And so that's, you know, that's the big challenge standing in the way of this vision. Um, and I don't really solve that problem here, but I say, look, like I measured it in a way that like, you know, this won't scale to like actually deploying it, but it means we need to think about a way that we could measure this now. And uh, so there you go. That is the summary of the science. Um, I have the full draft of this paper done and I think it's due in a couple days to the conference where I'm submitting it and I'll know like in a month if it's accepted. And then either way, whether it's accepted or rejected, um, I'll have a version available. So I'll either be able to link to a draft of the one that the conference is going to publish. And if they don't like it, if they think I need to redo some stuff, um, there are these online kind of public archives of work in progress that I'll upload it to. So you all can take a look at it if you want to read a scientific paper about what you did. Looking at dogs and looking at non-dogs and looking at bad things. And I did, if you didn't take the study and you're like, oh man, it would suck if you try to take this study to help Jen and then you end up having to look at Donald Trump stuff. At the end, after I was done with all the data, I was like, and if you got stuck looking at something else, <laughs> here's a link to the dog accounts or if you just want to go back to it so everybody could go look at the happy dog stuff. Um, and if you want just some happy dog stuff, the pinned tweet on our profile now on Twitter is... Uh, is the thread that I made to get people to share all kinds of stuff for me that I eventually put in the experiment. So it's a very, very long thread of happy dog pictures and videos. And you don't have an ethical problem with this because everyone knew what they were doing, right? This isn't the Facebook thing. Yeah, this is, so we, uh, for any experiment like this, even if you're just having people take surveys, we have a, a thing called an IRB, which is like, it's, so it's an internal review board. It's basically a university ethics committee that reviews every experiment um, and those came into being after a bunch of just really terrible stuff. Um, the Tuskegee experiments. Um, syphilis. Yeah, they were giving syphilis to African Americans. Uh, I mean, it, like not that long ago, right? I think in the 50s and 60s. And then they just weren't treating them to kind of see what happened. They didn't tell them that they were giving it to them. I mean, it was just terrible. Um, and, and there were a series of just really unethical medical experiments that happened. And of course, usually uh, taking advantage of underprivileged groups anyway, really abusive. And so kind of in response to that, uh, now essentially if you want to publish a paper, certainly a medical paper, um, but even if I want to publish a paper, journals won't even take it unless there's been ethics review. And Facebook does screw up around with that sometimes where they... Like Facebook does these unethical experiments that would never be approved by an ethics board, but they don't need one. And then they just give the data to a researcher and the ethics board doesn't review what Facebook did. The researcher just gets some data and then writes a paper about it. Um, there's a whole big outcry that our community is doing now. But generally, even if you want to just give surveys, you have to get ethical approval um, the main thing is that informed consent is important. So all of you who did this had like a little form and it's like, here's what the experiment is. Here's what you're going to do. You can quit at any time. Like you absolutely are not required to keep doing this. Uh, here's the purpose of it. Here's what you're compensated, all of this stuff. And then you have to affirmatively agree to that and then go in and do it. Um, so you can't lie to people and they, they are super strict about it. It takes weeks to get an experiment like this approved. 
Um, they always come back with changes to like make it super clear, you know, how are you gonna protect people's privacy? We didn't collect any data um, that like identified people. We, our demographics were like income, education level, gender and sexual orientation, I think. Like nothing that could be used to figure out who you were. Um, but it, you can collect stuff, you know, what's your zip code, what's, you know, all this personal information, but then you need to have a really clear and strict way that you like password protect it and keep it in a locked office. And here's who's going to have access to it. And here's when it's going to be destroyed. So yeah, there's nothing unethical about this because everyone opted in with a really clear explanation to start off with of what we were doing. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. sometimes the, the IRB form has a, has sort of a standard question at the end, right? How are you going to dispose of your research animals, which is very grim. Oh, yeah. If you're doing research experiment on animals, yeah. How are you going to euthanize the animals at the end? And there's a whole bunch of different ways oh. to do it. But uh, I've only had one. I've only had to interact with the animal ethics board once <laughs> when I was, we did a study <laughs> of, uh, yeah, we were doing Skype with dogs. Like we made an interface to, which is now a product that we didn't make the product, but to interact with your dogs. Like while you're away, you could have this little screen and uh, we had it so your dog could see you, but we also tried like putting like a little laser pointer on there or having it sounds, play sounds. Right? The sounds worked the best. Doorbell. Yep. And so to experiment with how well it worked, we had people like use it with their pets and they'd leave the computer in a room and go in another room and try the stuff. And we had all these great videos of dogs like looking at the screen and reacting to it. Um, but since it's experiments on animals, even though it's a computer experiment, we had to get ethics approval. And they were super stressed out because it was like the only experiment that the university had done on dogs in decades and decades and they were so worried that people were going to be like i can't believe the university of maryland is experimenting on dogs and i'm like i'm making them listen to like doorbells on skype yeah um but it's on the form i had to fill out it's like how will you euthanize the animals and i'm like no i will <laughs> no. not euthanize them no no we'll give them treats if they have, we have to. <laughs> but it's mostly for you know if you're doing like medical experiments on rats and stuff um mutant rats or we have a uh agriculture department and so there's a lot of kind of farm animal experiments. So I don't know that they euthanize them afterwards, but they've, you know, they do experiments on them like that. Which made me very upset as a vegetarian, but I just wanted my experiment approved. So. And a dog lover. And a dog lover. I mean, they don't do experiments on dogs, which is good. I mean, let's be honest. We love dogs. Yes. Um, so there you go. That's science. Mm -hmm. uh, Pretty good science. Yep, yep. Do we have a conch life story? There's I don't know. There are a bunch of boats burning in... Yeah, the, marina, the marina fire, but not here in Key West. In the no, that was up in was it Alamorada? Alamorada, yeah. That's way. That's the Bloodline place. If you watch Bloodline on Netflix, oh, it's up up towards the top, the Upper Keys. Yeah, they had a fire in the marina and a bunch of boats burned. Nothing too exciting has happened this week, though. No, it rained a lot. Yeah, I was gone. But if you look at the snaps from yesterday, from the thirteenth, uh, the front yard was like a lake. Queso had a good time playing in it. <laughs> she couldn't quite swim. She could walk, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, Other than that, Hops has found a coconut, and Hops has brought, now taken to ta bringing rocks from underwater. Big rocks. Into the yard. Yeah. Don't know why exactly. Maybe she thinks she's finding the rock or avenging the rock, which know. is still there. Yeah. She's off that, though. Um, maybe the fuzz bothered her because she's eating that <laughs> off now. Yeah, it's all white, the top of that rock. <laughs> <laughs> But now she finds like a fuzzy rock underwater, blubber, blub, blub, blubbers her way to it. 
picks it up with her mouth and then kind of carries it out yeah. and drops it. It's revenge on the rock. <laughs> I'm taking away all your friends. And she did find a coconut the other day and started stripping it. So that was pretty. I love when she finds coconuts in the water. Pretty ambitious. Yeah. Better uh, than barking at it. You have a German word of the week for us? Oh. How about science? It's a great German word. <laughs> Naturwissenschaft. Naturwissenschaft. <laughs> yeah, Naturwissenschaft. That's kind of like nature knowledge. It's a natural science. Well, there are, yeah, there's other Wissenschafts, Wissenschaftszweige. Yeah. I would say branches of Wissenschaft. <laughs> yes. Naturwissenschaft. Naturwissenschaft. But yes, this is referencing the great YouTube video on like how words sound in different languages. <laughs> and they're like science. And so they got like a British guy who goes science. And then they have science. Science. Sciencia. And then German guy, Naturwissenschaft. Yeah, it's like butterfly, papillon, schmetterling. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've linked that on a previous it's pretty podcast. Funny. I mean, the guy does emphasize it, but they are, it's not, a, it's a good language to train your dogs that's about it it's not Pencil. a romantic bleistift <laughs> it's not a romantic language it's not a soft language uh, all right not to vision shaft it is all right well happy valentine's day everybody if you uh don't have a valentine the girls will totes be your valentines you they would like to be pick one or all they're in they are very pleased to love on you indeed and uh yeah we'll talk to you again next week bye bye, bye.